Okay, folks, here we go again. Another episode of COVID 19 Check In. Today's teacher is a superstar in our school. We love him. He's an economics teacher, he is a philosopher, a unionist, a cellist, a philanthropist, socialist, and most of all, a table tennis master. This is Mr. Gattielli. How are you doing, sir? Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. Okay, so uh, I'm reasonable, as I always say, because, I mean, that seems to be the only guide these days is have some reason. But I think that was a little bit far-fetched, to be honest. I, I, I wouldn't call myself any of these is per se. <laughs> I know. I know. That's why I said it. <laughs> at best, at best, I'm a creature uh, that engages in these things and tries to uh, make something out of it. It is funny, like when you ask, how are you doing? Of course, you know, as a philosopher, that's an, uh, the most fundamental existentialist question uh, because also you're recognizing another being and the self is always related to another. Uh, so you're calling on the self. But it's also interesting, like, you know, being part of this time, you know, since March 13th and so on, uh, I think I've come to realize how uh, allergic I am to myself. Uh, and so <laughs> oh, I, think, no. I think I've developed enough allergies against my own self. Now I'll have to find... Uh, all kinds of uh, yeah, medicinal therapies for that. So anyways, um, yeah, how, how, how is it with you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I've, I've been waiting to, to talk to you on, on this podcast because I know it will be great. Uh, just every time I speak with you, I learn stuff, and uh, I admire that about you very much. And you're right. Yeah, the, the self-allergic thing. I didn't, I didn't think of it that way, especially when you're in isolation, right? Like you're have nothing but you and your thoughts sometimes, and then you realize um, how inadequate you are sometimes, right? Yeah, uh, I, I mean, uh, and I think you mentioned that aspect about uh, the isms and so on, which I'm part of, and it is true. I, I participate in all those things and continue to do so. And I think um, for me, uh, growing up in a compound, 250 families and so on, was that first part, that the self is not as important. And I think uh, in a coming year, of course, the concept of the individual and so on and so forth uh, as being very powerful and very important has always been quite problematic for me, both, of course, as a socialist, uh, where the collective is, is and the issues that you fight for are much more important than the individual and as it should be. Uh, and also this narcissism that you just focus on yourself in a way, like some of this isolation does that, but you have to really, really try to also get out of that uh, and, and and keep trying to engage, which is difficult. But I think, uh, so anyways, I, I know we're going to be talking about this, but it'll be interesting to discuss some of these issues uh, as we go ahead. Especially with the recent, you know, advent of technology and the internet, right? I remember telling students all the time, the internet is supposed to bring us together, but yet we're more isolated than ever. So this COVID situation with you know, the, affecting the whole world, I think actually shines a light on that. And I'm hoping people realize that, you know, what's good for the collective is actually good for the individual too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think you've just noticed in such a short amount of time, things that we consider progressive in terms of minimum wage, all kinds of rights for grocery workers and, 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 and frontline workers, you know, they've come to the fore. Generally, in other times, we are always focused on, you know, the big names and, and so on. Now, to me, as a socialist, that is already a, a problem. I think a worker society is the way to go. And, and uh, I have never, uh, you know, stopped saying that. So I think uh, the crisis brings out all those issues that were there 
uh, and magnifies it, that we, we can't hide from it. Now, people can still hide from it and say, oh, this is just temporary and so on. But what it does, it, it brings to light a number of these things that we've been talking about. And, and so engagement in that self becomes uh, very interesting and, and, and empowering. So, I mean, right from March 13 on, I think Naomi Klein came in and was talking about, you know, disaster capitalism and how that will uh, essentially uh, drive a lot of what we would call Corona capitalism, because essentially that's what capitalists do. They, they look at a specific crisis and they say, OK, what can we turn this into? Uh, how can we make and profit from it? But at the same time, there has been so many, uh, uh, you know, great attempts from workers, advocacy, and all kinds of things online, and also, you know, uh, pushing the government and the state uh, through all sorts of forms, petitions. That I think uh, that has also transpired. So I think uh, a crisis is probably both. There's it's contradictory. On the one hand, it's very problematic what's happening to so many people. We have had more than seven thousand deaths in Canada. That per capita, that's a pretty high number. People have lost income. I mean, these are real troubling times. And then on the other side, through those, people have also come together. I mean, you have in Toronto just a caremongering community, 25,000 members helping each other, uh, doing all kinds of things. Um, so uh, maybe if it's okay, I can talk about a couple of these things that uh, I was also, you know, as in terms of helping, there's a group of teachers uh, who started food share. I know in Pool uh, in Peel, people are doing that too. Uh, and, you know, uh, they've been delivering food boxes and so on to, uh, you know, thousands of students in, in uh, Toronto District School Board. And this is all run by teachers. Uh, and then you have, of course, the uh, uh, the tenant strikes uh, also with respect to rent and so on. So these are really, really interesting and progressive things that have emerged also. Yeah, speaking about shining a light on things, recently I just, you know, had this thought about well, you, you being an economics teacher, you would appreciate this, that everything is connected, right? So if you're only worried about the economy, like many of the politicians and, and owners of businesses are worried about, you're missing the point. Because if everything is connected, then if you are investing in those other things, it will actually help the economy, right? Like education is connected to the economy. The environment is connected to the economy. Uh, definitely, in, in this case, we, we're seeing that public health services is connected to the economy. If you can't fix the COVID, you can't fix the economy. And I think sometimes, uh, you know, the quote-unquote powers that be are missing the point on that. Oh, I think so. I think, I think. I mean, and we go back to uh, good old Marx, um, where, I mean, even I think in the 1850s and 1860s, he was talking about how we think of things analytically in our head is not how it works in society. So you can break these, all these little things down, health sector year, the cultural sector year and all that, but that's nonsense in, in society. Everything is fundamentally connected. And of course, in the capitalist mode of production, it's driven essentially by the economy. The economy fundamentally drives things, but all these things are fundamentally connected. So you cannot separate them at all. I mean, we talk about environmental justice. So, I mean, uh, that is another thing that I'm involved with. And of course, you know, we have an excellent environmental group uh, in our school that does really good work. And I think part of that, I think, is that it is fundamentally our relation to nature is what drives our economy is built on our fundamental relation to nature. This pandemic uh, is in many respects, of course, also a wake up call uh, to all of us. Right. We, we just think, oh, yeah, let's just uh, one crisis, we'll get over it, we'll move to the next. We never question fundamentally how we live, how we organize, how we live with each other. What does that actually mean? 
uh, recent protests, again, bring this out. But they have to be carried on. And I think that's where you need um, organization structures ready to say, okay, here's a crisis. How do we use this or utilize this as a means to actually uh, keep going progressively along these lines? And so it just doesn't end. Oh, we did this for, uh, we really recognize our healthcare workers. We really recognize, but after it's done, we'll go back to normal. Well, I'm sorry, the normal wasn't all that working. Uh, and, and, and so we've got to really push ahead in that respect. So I think it's a really good point you talk about connections. I think those connections are clear. The question is, will people continue to act on them or do they want to just go back to an older normal? And that raises all kinds of interesting issues too. In physics, a lot of times things move to the lowest energy level, right? So I think you're right. Um, you know, Are people going to go back to their lowest energy level once uh, COVID is uh, blows over or whatnot? Um, I hope not. I see a lot of young people being involved in civic engagement, and I'm hopeful that because of the shutdown, people are being more introspective and seeing, oh, I, I call it, you know, being out of the rat race. Like we've that has been canceled. We're we're not on the hamster wheel anymore, and uh, the self isolation, like like you said earlier, has made us reflect on our own values and, you know, what is important to me and, you know, kind of almost like live for today almost like, okay, what am I doing right now? Instead of, you know, worrying about, you know, what am I going to get later kind of thing? I don't yeah, know. I, yeah. Sorry. No, that's just a great point. I, I, as soon as you said that, you know, it's nice thing about talking. And so of course you're talking about self-isolation, visualize a lot of our ideas. And I think the best ideas are when you, um, portray them, they get visualized. That's why we love these great writers, because you get these images. And as soon as you said that, I think of Pakistan as in my this compound. And I remember we used to make a joke. Life was so slow when I was growing up that you could actually catch the air and, and like put it in your mouth. It was so slow. You know, that's how life was. Like you felt the slowness in your body. And those uh you're, it's interesting. In many respects, it has happened. Uh, at least it happened, I, I would say in my experience prior to school opening, and perhaps we can talk about that to the experience of of, of the schooling uh, after April 6th. But prior to that, yeah, sure. And I've always wanted a slow life. You know, a lot of people talk about that too, how much, but our structure is constantly pushing us, right? The structure is always more powerful than an individual. And we can do uh, mediated, doing all kinds of things that we enjoy, but really the structure of work and, and you know, this drive for profit and surplus and economic growth and more and more and more, which is of course also to some extent why our standard of living is what, what it is, but more and more and more. Under this system, you can't really participate in all those things. You're not really producing as much. So yes, I think it's it's an excellent time in that sense for for that slowness and to see okay what it really means to you. And if most of those things meant a lot, then perhaps one has to reflect on that too. So I think, and this is of course my perspective. Others would think, well, that's up to me. You know, in, in our society, everyone thinks that you know each one should have their own right to feel whatever they want. Fine, but. I think one also has to recognize that we're part of something larger, which pushes us in that direction. Is that always good for us? And how do we respond to that? So I think, again, one part of the crisis is is pretty much that. So I think that's an excellent point. Seems that you perhaps have been doing all this reflecting for many years, and now it has come in this form too. Uh, what, what got you in this uh, notion of the podcast? I'm just interested uh, to know, uh, to do these podcasts. Oh, um. Well, I listen to a lot of them, right? Um, I'm a fan of quite a few. Right. Um, this is just an ex- I don't know how, how it started, but uh, okay. I remember chatting with lots of teachers during uh, 
our strike of 2015, the one we had in the spring. And uh, just talking to teachers about their life gave me the idea of um, starting a blog called Teachers Are People Too, just trying to shine a light on we're not just like a person, uh, an authoritative figure standing in front of a classroom telling kids what to do, which is what, which is how we're portrayed in media, right? So I wanted, like, uh, I guess, uh, an avenue to to vent, if you will, to say, "Hey, man, I'm not just, I'm not that person, you know, I'm different things." And uh, and the podcast idea is comes about from isolation, right? Like, this is uh, a chance for me to talk to my colleagues and friends about teaching and about our lives and everyone that I've spoken to are either teachers or educators. And I really want to use this to show people that we really are people. We're just people. And hopefully it will educate some on how we how different we are. That's why I'm trying to get different people to be on here to shine a light on it. Yeah, this is a really fascinating thing. You know, in, in, in uh, philosophy, there's a field of uh, which is called phenomenology. And how we see the other also affects our identity, but how we relate uh, to another object, another human being or a thing is always in relation uh, to an underlying structure. And that is what you consider uh, your basic level in which everyone enters. So, you know, people enter into schooling and they just have these notions about what people are based on the rules and the structures that that institution has created. But then phenomenology says to really get to the truth, you actually have to bracket some of that. We have to unpack what is there to really understand the human being. And I think this this becomes quite interesting. Sure, we're all part of structures, but you know, what is a teacher? Like a teacher is a human being first with all kinds of values, all kinds of, they all we all come from different directions and we come into this institution and with, with, with people we don't know, we meet for a little while. And then we have these discussions, debates, uh, engagements, uh, learning, all the rest, uh, these relations. And uh, for high school teachers, four years. And they know a little bit about us in that sense. uh, But is always in that so-called teacher role, which is a sign from somewhere else, really. I mean, we we didn't really, we we fell into this role. uh, And then there's the others who see us in this role. And they've also been socialized as such. So this is a really interesting thing you're saying here in, in terms of that as an avenue, perhaps, to something that they would not necessarily uh, see. Yeah. I've had a few, uh, quite a few teachers giving me feedback saying that I should continue to go on with this, not just for um, in the context of COVID. And I am excited about that. For example, uh, I could have like a string of teachers just tell us their most embarrassing stories because <laughs> we all have them, right? We all have them. So that could be a theme, um, a, a series on that or uh interesting parent teachers interviews you know uh like there, there's so many right there's so many and a typical teaching career is 30 years you can imagine just the, the plethora of stories that 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 can come out of these conversations yeah uh i just think of that i mean i think one of the uh, nice forms of empathy uh with respect to students and what students go through is also to participate as students so so uh, you know, uh, during this time, of course, I've joined all kinds of webinars and so on, but I also uh, started learning uh, uh, calligraphy, like uh, uh, this, I've been, you know, doing, using pens and, and pens are my, you know, a fascinating thing for me, pens and inks, Japanese inks, especially like are, are, are incredible uh, and so on to learn about them. And also, uh, but I've also uh, um, started taking this course on Islamic uh, calligraphy. And so I think in terms of as a student now, 
Um, all those vulnerabilities that many of our students face in terms of how they approach things is also quite interesting. The other thing is also like cello competitions, obviously not right now, but, uh, and, and, you know, I'm the only adult there in all these, uh, I, I suppose, competitions. And then to show up, I look like this big, massive Hulk. You know, I sit there <laughs> next to them. They look at me and they tell me, who the hell is this guy? You know, and then the best part is like, they'll console me after I played crappily, which is almost always the case, uh, and, and so on. And they'll pat me on my back. It's okay. It's okay. Like, it's brilliant. So I think that, that's a pretty cool solidarity. Uh, you know, and we, and we don't have that, right? Like the teacher role is often like, hey, uh, do this, do this. We're like logocentric. You got to do this. You got to do this. It's always talking and i think this part uh to me is quite important like this concept of curbing which i think i'm also uh, studying a lot of i know this is very odd for marxists and socialists but to move it towards examining buddhism and uh, uh there are actually a number of japanese uh, writers who have uh, done this so this is part of again more studies during this COVID times uh, but i think just want to talk about a little bit if you don't mind like about schooling is also interesting like how uh, just last week or so we had like a two-hour discussion of philosophy of science with uh, three people. That is some of the things you, it's difficult to do during the school time, which is possible here. But at the same time, not having the school environment, the physical element of being there, right? Being is such a huge part of um, teaching. We forget that. I think people uh, in private industry or who are pushing technological aspects uh often in terms of online thinking, sometimes think, oh yeah, this is productive, this is efficient, we have to do this and so on, this is the future. But they forget those fundamental elements which connects us to human beings in these physical settings and how important that is uh, to do that. I think that is more so evident, uh, I think not only for uh, us as teachers, but also for students, uh, and many of them who were enjoy technology and maybe may do that. Now, I'm not saying the classroom is, you know, always the best place for all kinds of things, but I think it's it's very clear that you need those both elements. Wow, that was a lot of unpack there. Um, now you've got me full circle again. The pendulum, you're swinging my pendulum back because uh, I've talked to other friends who are working from home. They're not teachers, and they're they were commenting on the fact that they're actually more efficient. They were getting more work done at home than they would in the office just because there's like less interactions and distractions. But now what you're saying is like those interactions and what we call distractions could actually help our productivity and, and the quality of our work, I guess, in the long run. Uh, that's interesting to me. I think the, the human, I think this goes back to your old point. How do we connect uh, human beings in their fullness? Uh, or do we simply see uh, intellectual productions or any other forms of production that occur in school environments or university environments or learning environments as separate from others? I, of course, uh, am with the latter. Uh, I don't think, I think this notion of efficiency and cost efficiency and production and productivity is, is, is tied to a very uh, individualist notion. Uh, even though it doesn't really happen, most firms, uh, people collaborate, even though it's a competitive structure. So they do actually collaborate. So there's always cooperation and competition, which means there is an, always a relation. That relation is fundamental. I think in school settings, even more so, not only just in terms of nurturing or discussions and so on, but I think that relation is really, really present. I think you have to have that uh, in terms of uh, doing that. Sure, you can do your work at home and, and do that. But I don't. I think learning is a lot more than that. Learning is about engagement with each other uh, in these settings. And some of it happens online, sure, but I think you cannot remove that. So I think my biggest critique has always been that, that I think we forget sometimes how 
uh, being present in these places is just as important. I think when you don't have that, uh, I think I think one one really really misses that. I think I think there is a central social element to it, uh, and uh, I think that that should never go. Uh, even I, I know there's a real push to go in that direction uh, with all kinds of online stuff that has already been around for quite some time. Yes, fundamentally learning is an interactive experience it has it has to be face to face um i remember watching a video ironically enough about you know what if we had a digital aristotle what if we had a what if we had an artificial intelligence so expansive that it can answer any questions i would argue that it still wouldn't be the same and the last couple of months for online learning or distance learning, whatever you want to call this, all around the world, every teacher I've talked to have said that it's not the same. And students that I've talked to are saying it's not the same. Hopefully, this does not become the default and people accept that that is the norm. Um, there's nothing that can replace like a literal pat on the back, you know, seeing people's uh, facial reactions in real time, and you know body language all of that all of that that connects us you know we haven't had it for a few months and uh i really feel like a part of me has died in 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 past you know in the past few months not having that interaction with my students it's it's quite literally killing me i feel like what about you yeah i i definitely i mean i you can see i think in terms of just the interaction like i just want to you know cross the screen and be on the other side. There's a real pull uh, to do that because this is just a medium to which we're talking. It's an okay medium and so on. Uh, but at the same time, you know, that, that visceral energy that you, you see of being in its fullness is, uh, and I think people think oh, I'm over-dramatizing this, but I don't think so. I think uh, there's a clear sense uh, that when you're uh, with others, uh, and how you see the relation, your words, and how they, they talk back to you. Uh, sensations. This is one form of sensation too, of course, but it's through this medium. And I think I prefer not to have that medium per se uh, in, in this case because it brings about an energy, that fundamental energy relation that we have with, with other beings. You can do it through thoughts. Writers write these beautiful words that we, you know, from various parts of the world, people who have, so we have an engagement to that too. But should that come at the cost of that? No, I, I think we can have multiple forms uh, as, as we do. And I think the, the sense of, of being with the other is to me is, is I think the central aspect of, uh, of teaching. Yeah, so I agree. I think uh, uh, teaching has become in, in that sense uh, quite difficult. Uh, I think motivation is also another factor, right? The motivation uh, and engagement and inspiration that one derives from being with the other is also quite different. Uh, it also depends on how people are socialized. I think uh, coming from where I came from, uh, it, it was these are very nothing. I used to use a typewriter. For God's sake, I think I think it was my last piece that I wrote when I was doing a, a presentation it was like uh, yeah, it was a typewriter in, all the way into like uh, 2000. And I was funny thing and during coronavirus, so you know eBay is my thing because my sleep hours are all uh, messed up now. So because of pens and some of these pens are really expensive, and uh, so I try and. I, not that I bought much on eBay, but I'm fascinated by the bidding process, like how these people bid, you know, and obviously teaching economics, that's also really interesting. So I've been doing that. I'm now looking back for typewriters. There's something to that visceral effect of typing and also seeing your words there and then choosing your words properly and so on. So I, I don't know, to me, it's the, the whole part of that engagement uh, with both objects and other human beings. Uh, yeah, it's, it's part of that. 
I have a former student. Actually, I actually never taught him. I coached him for for just a, a season basketball, and uh, he's also like that. The the physical aspect. He he's actually uh, doing a lot of different uh, community work, and yeah, he's got a little notebook. He likes writing in them, and I wonder. I wonder if he's into typewriting, like a typewriters. I think I wouldn't be surprised if he he uh, he did. Okay, as we uh, get close to wrapping up here, let's. I I wanted to ask you about what you were planning to do in the summer now because I know I remember talking to you last year at around this time that every summer you you travel and and you 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 travel the world and live a different life that you do in the urban setting. So what are you going to do this year? Um yeah, well I don't think this uh, this year will be a, it seems to be uh it will be a you know music studies uh and uh, more, lots more reading, and also I think a continued engagement. Uh, you know, once things open up a little bit uh, with programs such as uh, Food Share, uh, we we also formed what is called uh, Ontario Workers Education United, which is like a rank and file uh, group of teachers uh, to uh, come together and discuss various issues in education. So that is a huge project, how to strategize going forward in response to this government and so forth uh, in the next you know two years. So I think that's going to be part of uh, the work. Uh, Lots and lots of, uh, I think, engagement with with other people across the province will bring that about. And then there's still so many, uh, you know, uh, movements going on now uh, in Toronto uh, that one can participate in both online. Uh, and of course, if things open up, uh, you do it physically. Uh, so I think uh, that would be the way to go. Unfortunately, uh, uh, I mean, that's fine. I think travel uh, one can do later. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's been interesting all these years, uh, you know, to do it in the summer. I mean, uh, to, to work in some of these communities uh, and, and to see how people live uh, and you get a closer reality. That's what I've been trying to do. Uh, but I don't think that will happen this year. But I think there's much to do uh, here as well. Um, so I, I suppose I look forward to that. Uh, what, what about yourself? What's your sense? I don't know. I've been taking it one day at a time. I try not to look too far ahead. So I really don't have anything planned. The last three months have been the same day every day, you know, <laughs> Groundhog Day. So I look I look forward to, to breathing a little bit, to not having to, you know, stare at the screen for, I don't know, 10 hours straight or something on some days, right? Um, so yeah, I look forward to taking a breath and getting outside and all of that uh you know when when the news comes it comes i'm not uh i big on planning on this stuff but i i still plan to do the online work you know um, sharing stuff and reading and, and learning more about what we can do to uh change the old normal as you said earlier right okay mr galilee thank you so much for your time i was very happy with this episode i think th- this has been the most energizing one i've had in a while uh, so I appreciate your thoughts. We definitely need to chat again about, you know, all kinds of other stuff. I feel like we left so many things unsaid. This was, this turned out to be like a philosophical episode. And I think that's great too. Yeah. No, well, thank you. Uh, you know, you, you've been doing this for quite some time and uh, this is my first time participating in something like this. And I think it, it was interesting, but I think all those issues that you talked about, about engaging really come through here. And, you know, one of the nice things is we're in this together for quite some time. So I think we'll have less opportunity to do that.
Yeah, so just before we go, can you tell us about those organizations that you were a part of again? Uh, I'll be linking it to uh, to the episode as well. Just uh, let the people know. Yeah, I think uh, if uh, with respect to uh, the food work that we've been uh, doing, uh, it's called Food Share. Um, and people can uh, go to foodshare.net and uh, Toronto, uh, and they can uh, uh, donate there. Uh, for teachers who want to get involved, uh, they could also uh, get involved in terms of volunteering, uh, all kinds of things. Uh, with respect to uh, the teachers, uh, they could always join Ontario Education Workers United if they want to have a say or they want to see uh, what's going on. So that would be another form of engagement. So I think I'll, I'll focus on, on those two uh, because I think those are uh, both uh, teacher related and also students could get involved with food share as well in terms of donating and helping out uh, fellow students in TDSB and other places. I think Peel also has uh, similar programs as well. All right. So thanks again. Mr. Galielli, uh, this was great. I'll uh, see you soon. All right. Take care. You too. Bye.